Hello, my name is David Fincher. I want to welcome you to Divine Deliberations. Thanks for tuning in. Today I was going to talk about denominationalism and is God okay with all the different denominational churches that are out there, but after last week's response, I thought I would follow up with a question that actually takes that just a little bit further, and that is, did Jesus teach once saved, always saved? That's our topic for today. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Divine Deliberation. Last week I had a number of responses from individuals who basically sent me a one-verse copulation. One individual sent me a reference to John 6 and verse 47 where Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, whosoever believes in me hath everlasting life. So if that was the only verse within the pages of the New Testament, fine. I would be, okay, it's by faith only. He didn't really make his point when it comes to once saved, always saved. Also, I also had some haters, you know, that got in there and said, you're going to be damned and da-da-da-da-da. Listen, you make comments like that, I'm going to delete the comments. I'm not doing this in order to deceive anybody. On the contrary, I want to go back to the Bible. I want to see what the Bible has to say about it. But we need to understand there's more than one verse within the pages of Scripture. There's more than John 6 and verse 47 all right? There's more than John 3 and verse 16. Oh, and by the way, let me at least, another guy sent me John 3 and verse 16. Let me at least link something here. John 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'll remind you that Jesus made repentance a requirement for salvation in Luke 13, verse 3, and then again in verse 5 when he said, Except you repent you shall all likewise perish. Now, the word used for perish in John 3 and verse 16 is the identical same word that Jesus used in Luke 13, 3 and 13, 5. So Jesus is saying, unless you repent, you will not be saved. And John three sixteen is saying, unless you believe, you will not be saved. Those two are linked by virtue of the one that spoke them. And by virtue of the fact that he used the same word in both places, perish is linked to John 3 and verse 16 and Luke 13 verse 3 and verse 5. But anyway, that's another topic. I've already dealt with what must I do to be saved, part 1 and part 2. Let me recommend that you go check those out. Go listen to those because I'm telling you that is God's full plan. Listen, we need to understand something. i got a recipe here, all right? I got a recipe here. It contains two cups of butter, three cups of white sugar, six large eggs, four cups all-purpose flour, and two-thirds cup of milk. There are five ingredients that are listed in this recipe. This is a hundred-year-old recipe for a pound cake. It's called Grandma's Pound Cake. All right, hundred-year-old recipe. Step one, step two, step three. Tips and then nutritional facts. All right. Come off of uh, allrecipes.com. What if I decide, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to take the the flour. I think I think I'll or I'll change that instead of four cups of flour. Let's use two cups of flour, or I don't want to use two cups of butter. Let's just use one cup of butter. 
And if I change one of the items that are listed in the ingredients here, or if I omit a step, let's say I decide I'm not going to pour the batter evenly into prepared loaf pans. I'm going to pour it all at one end. I'm going to have a lopsided cake that's missing an ingredient here. My point is simply this. The scriptures don't consist of just one verse or one ingredient or one step. The scriptures actually consist of numerous verses, and the totality or the entirety of the Word of God is God's will concerning that topic. Let let me give you another example. Real quick, what if I just take the passage where Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. If you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. Well, by all rights then, I should be able to say, Lord, in Jesus' name, let me win the lottery. I should go buy one ticket, which means i got to do something. But I should win, right? I mean, i got a verse. i got a book, chapter, and verse. i got a verse here that proves that if I ask anything in the name of Jesus, I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to get what I asked for. It's not going to happen. And you say, well, the reason is not. Why, why isn't it going to happen? Why, why can't I take that one verse and build a church around it or build a universal doctrine around it? You say, because there are other verses about prayer. James says you have not because you ask not and you receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your lust. The Bible has more than one verse that deals with the topic of prayer. There's more than one verse that deals with the topic of prayer. If I'm living a sinful life, God's not going to hear me. If I don't ask according to his will, he's not going to hear me. It's not going to happen. The answer is going to be no. Because there are numerous verses that deal with the topic of prayer. It's not just in John the 14th chapter where Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, you get it. So, I decided instead of doing the denominational thing, I'm going to put that off till next week. But I wanted to deal with Jesus on once saved, always saved. Did Jesus teach, once you're saved, you're always saved? Let me give you a verse. Matthew 5 and verse 29 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. Now Jesus is talking about if there's sin in your life, persistent, consistent sin in your life, you need to get rid of it. And you need to go to whatever extreme you need to go to to get rid of it. Jesus also, in Matthew the 6th chapter, after teaching his disciples to pray, and everybody knows the, the Lord's Prayer, I don't believe that that is a prayer we need to recite exactly, but rather a guide to prayer itself and how prayer should be formatted. But in that, he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's interesting, there's a whole lot in there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. I mean, there's a lot in the Lord's Prayer 
that he could have focused on. But when he got done with that prayer, in verse 14 and verse 15, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So right there, instead of focusing on all the things that he could have focused on in that model prayer, he points to forgiveness and he says, if you forgive people, you'll be forgiven. But if you don't forgive people, you will not be forgiven. So we need to understand that Jesus didn't, didn't believe in once saved, always saved. There were conditions to salvation that went beyond just faith. There was a lifestyle that needed to be engaged in, and that lifestyle needed to be a lifestyle of forgiveness. The centurion actually came to Jesus, and this is one of those rare events where Jesus actually dealt with someone who was not a Jew. And the centurion said, I have a servant. He's sick. He's more like a son to me. If you could heal him, that would be fantastic. Please do so. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And he says, no, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. I'm a man of authority. And if I say to one person, go, he goes. And if I say to another, come, I, I don't have to see. I know. I, but I know he's going to obey. So just speak the word. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus marveled at that. In Matthew 8, verses 10 through 12, Jesus, when he heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen. Jesus made the statement in Matthew 12, verse 36 and verse 37, and I believe it applies to you today as much as it applies to those people in the first century. He said, I say unto you that every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now that passage says that what we say will follow us to judgment, Christian or non-Christian. Jesus also talked about repentance. Think about this. In Matthew 12, 41 and 42, he said, The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is actually saying there were people that were listening to his voice that may have believed in him. But they didn't repent. They didn't repent. The people of Nineveh repented. And they'll rise up in judgment against those who listened to Christ and did not repent when he came into this world. Then you've got the parable of the soils. Everyone knows the parable, the wayside ground, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and then the good ground. And Jesus interprets that parable. I want you to listen to what he says concerning the person that he gave the title stony ground to. In Matthew 13, 20 and 21, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. One version says he falls. 
Now, Jesus said the person who is the shallow person doesn't have any depth of character, no depth in his heart. He receives the word. He hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But when persecution or tribulation arise, he falls. And then he talked about the thorny ground person. Verse 22 of Matthew 13. He who received the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now I know you know and I know a number of Christians who are very materialistic and they're concerned about the riches of this world. Actually the whole prosperity gospel thing is about the riches of this world. They are thorny ground people because they want to know what they can get while they're here. They're not worried about what's on the other side. They're not so worried about laying up treasure on the other side. They want to see how they can get a big car and a big house and a big vacation and a big bank account and all that stuff here. It's hogwash. Jesus actually said the thorny ground person, he hears the word and the cares of this world choke it. In Matthew, the... 18th chapter in verse 8 and verse 9, Jesus again says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter a life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter a life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. That doesn't sound like once saved, always saved. That sounds like that if you have sin in your life. Listen, the whole once saved, always saved is based on the premise, can a child of God so live in sin as to lose his or her salvation? And Matthew 18, 8 and 9 answers that. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Do whatever you got to do. Cast it from you. Better for you to enter into life lame or maim than having two hands or two feet and be cast into everlasting fire. I mean, verse 9, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into life with one eye than having two and be cast into hellfire. That doesn't sound like once saved, always saved. That sounds like you can so live in sin as to be lost and lose your salvation. Listen, I'm all about the security of a believer. I know that as long as I hold on to God and I stay with the Father, I don't like the prodigal son get up and leave. And let me remind you, that parable doesn't teach once saved, always saved. That boy was alive, and he left home. And as far as the father was concerned, when he came back, he says this, my son was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive again. Now that parable doesn't teach once saved, always saved. That boy was found while he was with the father. He was alive while he was with the father, but then he left home. He left the Father. He engaged in a lifestyle that was sinful. And when he came to his senses and came home, the Father said he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. Listen, Jesus makes this statement. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, he's talking about church discipline. It never happens today because we're a bunch of mealy mouths and weak need sissified Christians sometimes. But in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, he says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. Now, I want you to note something. If your brother, 
This is someone that you are a brother with, a brother in faith. If he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Let me ask you something. Is that brother saved? I mean, the guy goes to him, tries to set things straight. He won't hear him. He takes two or three with him and tries to set things straight. He won't hear him. He tells it to the church. He won't hear the church. Jesus says, fine, count him as a tax collector. Count him as a heathen. And he's lost. What happened to the brother? He's lost. He won't listen to nobody. He won't be reconciled. Jesus also tells a number of parables that do not teach once saved, always saved. On the contrary, they teach just the opposite. There's the parable of the unforgiving servant. The parable is about a man who was forgiven an unbelievable debt, like the equivalent of millions of dollars, not just put on a payment plan, but forgiven of that debt. And then he goes out and grabs someone who owes him about 20 bucks, grabs him by the throat and says, pay me what you owe. And when the servants heard that, it was just so unbelievable that he would do such a thing he was brought back before the king, and verse 34 and 35 says his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That doesn't teach once saved, always saved. So if you want to write me a bunch of hate stuff and jump all over me and say, you know, once you're saved, you're always saved. My church teaches it. My preacher teaches it. If you want to do that, fine. But you've got to take on Jesus too. And you've got to take on these things. Listen, one guy wrote me and challenged me with that one verse, John 6 and verse 47. And I'm happy to have a debate with him or anyone on anything that I teach, a video debate, you record your proposition, send it to me, make your points, I will respond in kind. And we will debate the subject until it has been completely and thoroughly debated. Truth has nothing to fear. And I have nothing to fear because that's what I'm teaching is truth. So, the parable of the unforgiving servant, it does not teach one saved, always saved. On the contrary, it teaches that if you are unforgiving, God will not forgive you. And it doesn't matter if you are a Christian. If you are unforgiving, you don't receive forgiveness. Jesus also talked about the parable of the talents in Matthew twenty-five, fourteen through 30. He talks about the one who was given five talents and the one who was given two talents and then the one who was given one talent. The one who was given two and five went out and did good with what they were given and doubled what they had. But the one who was given one went out and hid his talent in the ground. In verse 30, the master of that servant said when he found out what he had done, he said, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, brother, that tells me there's a servant that did not use his gifts and his abilities, his talent, the way he should have, and that brother was lost because of it. Again, in Mark, the ninth chapter, verses 42 through 48, Jesus talks about your hand, eye, and foot. And he adds there where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Three times. Three times. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What is that? 
living a lifestyle of sin, not doing anything about it. Lost. We need to understand our lifestyle affects our salvation. We cannot live a lifestyle of sin and expect God to just simply dismiss our sin. And it's okay. You were saved. Once you're saved, you're always saved. No, it's not going to happen. Then, of course, the parable of the prodigal son. If, if you believe Jesus taught once saved, always saved, you better cut this one out of your Bible. Everyone knows the parable, but my son was lost. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's Luke 15, 11 through 32. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples in Luke, the 21st chapter, verses 34 through 36, says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life, that that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare to all of those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. He said, Watch. Well, if you're saved, and you're, once you're saved, you're always saved. doesn't matter if you're not ready, does it? Jesus did not teach, once you're saved, you're always saved. And you can go on and on. Jesus actually accused the, the Jews who were trying to kill him. You're of your father, the devil. And they say, well, no, we're a descendant of Abraham, you know, and, and we're, we're Abraham's seed. We're in covenant with God. And Jesus said, yeah, you seek to kill me, and you'll not hear the truth. There's a lot of people out there like that today. And finally, Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He's actually talking to his disciples here. And he tells them, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, brother, you can sit there all day long and tell me Jesus taught once saved, always saved, and I got at least a dozen passages that say no, he didn't. Jesus did not teach once saved, always saved. And I'll be happy to discuss it with anyone in a video debate, anytime, anyplace, under any circumstances. Thanks for tuning in. Next week we will talk about undenominational Christianity. We will talk about is God happy? Is it okay with God that we have all these different churches that teach all these different things and divide the body of Christ? Is God okay with that? Or is it just a necessary evil? So we'll talk about that next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, listen, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and to hit the little bell so you get notified every time we post a new video. And if you would, like the video, and if you want to, share it. We'd appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Divine Deliberations. God bless you. Be safe.